nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJ Art, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Lavelle, and we're joined by one of the voices of motorsport, cricket, football, all sorts of different sports, Tim Hodges, who's been around this game for many years. Um, has written a number of books as well and has certainly got himself uh, well and truly in the motorsport scene. Tim, welcome back to Inside Supercars. <laughs> G'day, Tony. G'day, Craig. That's a nice introduction. Just a little, a wee foot soldier, that's all. Uh, just a, a, a race fan, nothing more. Well, I think you've been carrying a bang at most of that time as a foot soldier, so you're making your mark, mate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, no, good time of year, isn't it? The start of, or the end of the, the tennis and the cricket season, and we're we're about to let fly with motorsport across the board, and um, and and then you know I work in AFL and uh, and then NRL all all about to explode in the next month and a half. And it, it's interesting the way you've actually integrated those two. We'll get around to that in a few minutes when we talk about what your coverage of the sports are. But let's just talk about the bigger picture of the way in which all sports are covered nowadays. The way in which the growth of uh, not only uh, pay-to-air, uh, free-to-air rather, but also pay-TV, and the other ones, the other aspects of it, the, the uh, YouTubes and the, uh, the different methods by which people uh, can watch these sports. Tell us what your feelings are in the future. Well, I think Supercars is in a great position, guys, and I know that's where your bread and butter is, is that they're a sport that the ratings are, are up consistently, which is an awesome thing for them to have. You know, I've just come off a a couple of months working on the Big Bash for Fox Cricket, and they've been, they've had ratings, you know. And Big Bash has got a lot of problems on and off the field, but their ratings were particularly alarming, as bad as their crowds were, and that's for free to wear and on pay TV. So that, that's a serious concern for Cricket Australia going forward, and that's something that Supercars, as a platform, they they had a wonderful ratings uh, success story in 2021, and. Um, uh, it obviously finished at Bathurst, which was, you know, a mega rater and always is. So, you know, I think Supercars is actually in a nice position, especially at Fox Sports, where um, so much of their, their income comes from. Fox is, is in love with, with, with Supercars, which is a great position for the sport to have when you've got broadcasters who love you and uh, want to pay a lot of money for you because they know that people watch you in droves and you only have to look at the ratings across the board and that's right throughout the season on on Fox and, and Channel 7 as well last year that the ratings were supercars, supercars were up and there are a lot of other sports in Australia, guys, that, that can't crow about those sort of figures. Tell me, it's interesting the way in which certainly supercars have survived um, this period with not having uh, many of their rounds on free-to-air do you think that there's a chance that there could be more in future for supercars? Uh, to be honest, not really, um, Tony. That uh, Unless free-to-air is willing to pay for it, which 
I'm, I'm not sure they are, but I think they're happy, Channel 7 are happy with the deal they have at the moment to show a particular amount of rounds and that no more. And they and unless they're willing to pay for it, which they haven't shown a willingness to, then you'd stick most of them on Fox who are willing to pay for them and when they show them, they do a great job and you get everything. And uh, I think we've moved beyond, and I know there are still some keyboard warriors who bitch and moan, and that's what motorsport fans do better than just about anyone, bitch and moan, but um, they can whinge about having to pay for it. But you look at basically every, I mean, so many sports all across the country that you have to now pay for to get it complete access. And the, the coverage, and yes, I work at Fox Footy and part of Fox Sports, so I'm a little bit biased, but the coverage that you get on Fox is is insane for supercars at every practice, every qualifying, every race live, you know, the old spiel, no ad breaks. Like it's, it's, um, it's awesome compared to what you get on free to air. So, you know, if you haven't jumped on board and if you haven't got the box to box, get KO with you know, 20, $24 or something a month, which is um, not next to nothing. It's still a commitment, but it's, I think it's absolutely worth it. So yeah, that's what, um, uh, you know, to answer your question, I, I can't see it changing unless Channel 7 has a change of attitude, which I, I think they're happy with what they've got right now. Supercars, the organisation, having a well-established medium department, Nathan Prenegast, uh, <laughs> a well-experienced operator, it puts them in an interesting position. And You would know better than I what other sports have that type of production house in-house that it then allows them to deliver content on any platform. And we're not just talking about a full broadcast spec here. We're talking about just the ability to put out a TikTok, to throw up some news content onto the Facebook, Twitter, and then out to the uh, broader media for video news grabs and radio audio. It can give you a headache, can't it, the, the current social media landscape guys of... Um just how many options there are out there with, as you said, Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and then YouTube and whether it's YouTube long form or YouTube short form or YouTube snapshot. It's, um, there are so many options and ways to reach an audience now, which was never there before. You know, all you're worried about was coming on air at lunchtime on Sunday afternoon and nailing the, the, the five hour coverage was your main bread and butter. It's not that anymore. It's, it's the week leading up to it to grab the eyeballs. It's, the immediate snapshot um, race, uh, and not even recaps, it's, it's moments in races that, you know, one minute later they have to be on social media, they have to be out there, you have to be pushing them straight away. So it does give you it does give you a headache. I mean, even, I'm, I'm sure you guys have spent summer sitting on the couch watching um, cricket. You know, a great catch is taken in the outfield and a minute later it's on Twitter um, put out by, you know, not only the, the BBL, the, the seven cricket um uh, domain that the Fox cricket site as well. So, you know, tennis the, the past couple of weeks here in Melbourne, you know, one great shot and, and a minute later it, it's, it's across social media everywhere and to be shared across the board. So yeah, just, um, yeah, for old blokes like us, it, it does give you a headache just with the, the amount of content in addition to, to what we're just used to having copped, which was the television coverage that you hope they nail and I reckon they've been doing a pretty good job at that, but it's the extras that would be uh, a bit daunting, really, when you think about it. Historically, Tim, your business is principally around AFL and cricket. Am I, am I right in that? Oh, I'm probably mainly AFL. Uh, I have um, uh, Fox Footy down here in Melbourne 
Tony has moved into Fox Cricket the past couple of years since cricket came to Fox Cell. So, yeah, been doing a bit of big bash the past few months. Um, but, but, yeah, mainly mainly AFL for, for eight or nine months of the year. So do you now morph your, your working week uh, and days into covering um, the AFL and then? Yeah, I, I mean, I sort of think that AFL is probably my job at the moment. It's my work. It um, pays the bills, I guess, and motorsport is... Uh, I guess it's my passion, probably like all of um, all of us. It's the passion, you know, the, what you enjoy to watch. So, yeah, I, I love nothing more than a weekend where you've got to do your, your footy stuff, your footy work and shot list the games and, you know, work on Saturday and get ready on Sunday for Monday shows. But it, um, it's nothing better than a supercar weekend when you can then park footy to one side and then actually sit and enjoy the, the supercar round wherever it is. Yeah, so it is... Um, but from you know, it's mainly footy. From uh, certainly picks up the pace in the next couple of weeks, and the preseason start. Preseason starts at the end of this month, and um, then we're into it middle of March next year. And you hope after the last two years of uh, COVID interruptions for all of our sports codes that we're, they have a decent run at it this year. Um, you know, especially for well, I say selfishly for footy because I work in it, and it's been two bloody difficult years. Especially you know, no finals, no grand finals in Melbourne the last couple of years. Uh, most of the clubs have been living elsewhere, but you know you see that it's it's already having a taking a toll on the supercar season with the opening round at Newcastle, which uh, it's such a I think it's such a body blow for that that sport with its new owners not to be able to have a a um, a showpiece event to kick off their new ownership and to kick off the new season, which is such a shame and it's so underwhelming going back to Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, but I will say, guys, what I think it is is it's a it's a it's a boom for the Australian Grand Prix. Um, uh, I was speaking to their media manager, Hayden Lane, um, on the weekend, actually, and he, he was just saying they're blown away by the amount of grandstand ticket sales, which is bigger, almost double what they normally do. Uh, and then they announced on Monday five extra grandstands. They're basically, they can barely keep up with the, the, the plans to build the grandstands the way that they're, you know, while they start plating on building them they're, they're selling the tickets out so it's um it's an intense the um the interest in this year's grand prix and the return to formula one to, to melbourne after a couple of years away and i think that's really been helped as well by the fact that newcastle isn't there because i think they would have got you know close to two hundred thousand people at that event um but i think the biggest motorsport event in in australia for the year will now be all eyes in april on, on albert park and i think it will be it will be something else when, when Formula 1 finally, touch wood, I'm touching wood, finally returns to, to Melbourne after a couple of years away. Now, Formula 1 is another in-house media department, which has been doing an excellent job for 20, 30 years now. But I'm interested in your thoughts. We, you mentioned KO and, and how the streaming side of sport has increased. What do you think it means for ARG, who are part owners of supercars, making the decision to take their their platform, their base platform, and move it from seven to Stan. And and then looking at the streaming service Stan Sport and the motorsport they're picking up. I think it's um, it's like a box on at the moment, uh, Craig. That, and I'm not sure I like it. I think it's just a, they're grabbing um, series and I think they're worrying about what they'll do with it later down the track. So that's what makes me a little bit cautious. But um, I think it's the fact that Fox Sports, unless you are a big raider, um, 
and you make sense to keep, they're not going to keep you or they're not going to fight to keep you, if that makes sense. So obviously supercars, huge tick. They love it. It rates well. It's, uh, it's, it's an awesome platform right up there with, you know, awesome for us, AFL, NRL, cricket and supercars and Formula One. Formula One, obviously, um, it's it's exclusive there to Fox Sports throughout the season, uh, apart from the Australian race, which is you know a rating success story, and you know even the middle of the night, the final race, Abu Dhabi, um, late last year in December, rated through the roof, which is you know astronomical to think that many people would get up in the middle of the night to watch a, a Grand Prix race. But such was the intent interest in that um, event, it was it was awesome. So Fox is going to work their backsides off to keep those big series. And unless you're not a big series and your ratings are pretty pretty small, I was going to say minuscule, but that's a bit unfair, um, then I think that it's game on for anyone who wants to grab them. So, yeah, I'm watching with interest, probably like you guys, probably like all your motor racing fans, to see what is Stan going to dish up with all of these series that they're grabbing. And, uh, and I hope they get um, Scott McLaughlin and use him as an ambassador for Stan and for Channel 9 and that you see him a lot on, you know, whether it's the Today Show or whether it's 60 Minutes in the lead-up to the Indianapolis 500. I'd love for Stan to share the Indy 500 and put it on Channel 9 in May this year. How cool would that be? So, you know, I hope they use um, they use the assets that they're getting and make them big and, um, you know, make them a success story. I know for, you know, Probably like you guys, I'm going to have to get a stand subscription in the next few weeks, so I'm ready for, for round one of the season at St. Petersburg because, um, you know, love watching Scott do his thing over in the IndyCar series, and I hope it's a, a great year for him. And the only way we'll be able to see it now is, is with Stan. So, yeah, I mean, probably like you guys, probably like your listeners, you end up having a, a Foxtel subscription, a KO subscription. We're going to have a stand subscription. You've got, you know, Netflix and... Uh, Disney and all, all sorts of things you're paying for, but it's just the it's the way of the world right now, isn't it? But Tim, of course, that'll give you a reason to go to work and earn earn more money, you know, won't it? Exactly, exactly, and, and hopefully, you know, um, Scott can make it a success story. Hopefully, he can have um, a bit more success this year in his second year in the sport that continues to drive interest and news. You know, imagine if he's sticking things on the thing on pole, or, or he's vying for race wins, or he's getting race wins, um, and, and then. If he's contending on May 29 at the at the Brickyard, wouldn't that be something? Uh, and then that would just flood the flow-on effect that, that Stan is a great platform to have to be aligned with Channel 9, that, that he might end up on you know National 9 News nightly, you know, whether it's the Today Show, which is perfect timing for it to cross to America. And, uh, you know, I, I think 60 Minutes would be mad not to be following him throughout the start of the year to, to do a big feature on that Sunday night leading into the Indy 500. I, I hope all these things sort of happen. And that they can help sell his story, and, and you know, hopefully, it drives subscriptions to Stan, and and hopefully, then he can do the business on the racetrack to to warrant that sort of focus. In addition, I, I know I've spoken a lot about Indy, but but obviously, everything else that they're getting as well, like WRC and um, uh, Formula E, and, and and all of those sort of um, uh, titles, which you know looks good, but I just hope that they sell it properly. Now's the perfect time to remind people that. You are part of the Balls and Bumper crew with Jack Rewalt and Scott McLaughlin, which can be heard on uh, many of the streaming services that you listen to Inside Supercars on. And it's uh, it's great that you are able to get those insights from both those players from two de- very different uh, styles of sport. Yeah, I've, uh, honestly, I've been a little bit lucky, Craig, to, to um, uh, you know, you sort of you tell a 10-year-old... Um, 
me that you're going to be hanging out and be good buddies with, you know, an AFL superstar like Jack Rewald, who's just about the most popular man in AFL at the moment, over 300 games, three premierships, um, a couple of Coleman medals, a couple of Best and Ferris, all Australian. Like he's, um, he will retire and maybe at the end of this year, maybe another year to go as one of the, the all-time greats of the Richmond Football Club. But let's not forget um, a larrikin that had a redemption story of his own. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when we took him on at AFL 360, in, um, it, it was 2016, and the Tigers were hopeless and finished down the bottom of the ladder, and uh, he was questioning whether he wanted to stay at the footy club. He was jumping turnstiles at the train station. <laughs> he was he was jumping the fence to run away from media to run to the train station when he realised he'd left his wallet back at the club so he couldn't actually, he didn't have his Mikey card. To, like, this just embarrassing moments for him that and he, he wasn't enjoying his life. He wasn't enjoying his football. Richmond were no good. He took the chance and the punt to, to try and sell himself on AFL 360 and you know, they went hopeless in 16 and 17. They won the premiership. Like, ridiculous story. And then they won three of the next four. So, um, you know, to be working with, with him on, on Fox footy but then to have a little podcast that we do and have some fun with, you know, then Scott McLaughlin, you know, three-time supercar champion and Bathurst winner and now an IndyCar driver like that, um, it's pretty cool. So they get on they get on fabulously and they, they honestly love each other and they love the fact that I think they wish they did each other's jobs. Um, Jack would love to... He always talks about wanting to, to race a car with Scott at Bathurst. Like, it's crazy as that sounds. And, um, you know, I think Scott would love nothing more than to run out. I think he'd like the Bulldogs um, colours, not, not the not the Tigers strip, but would love to play probably on a half-forward flank. So, yeah, they love each other's um, occupations and sports. They love talking about um, performing. And, you know, I'm lucky just to be on their WhatsApp group where they they bitch and moan after a practice session or after a, a Saturday night game or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think that's where we try and take the audience of what it's like behind the behind the scenes for, for the balls and bumpers. We do the ride the highs and the lows, and sometimes the lows when Richmond bombed out at the end of last year. We, we didn't have access to Jack for a few months. He did go AWOL, which was probably fair enough after they had a, a ridiculous run, you know, three premierships in four years, and, and it all sort of fell apart at the end of last year. So I think you needed some time away. And... Um, yeah, there's no commitment, no no serious commitment on balls and bumpers. If you're not feeling up for it, we don't really tend to bother with it. So it's, um, we'll be back hopefully in the next few weeks before the IndyCar season kicks off at uh, in Florida. I see a Bathurst six-hour coming here, Tony, with uh, Tim Hodges, Jack Rewalt and Scott McLaughlin all jammed into like a, a <laughs> Nissan Micra or something. I hope, yeah. I, hope, I hope McLaughlin's very fast because he's going to have to make up a lot of time after the other two knuckleheads um, probably put the thing in the kitty litter. Tim, we might just digress for a second or two uh, before we start talking about uh, the supercar season. But um, Remind our listeners, for those maybe who don't even know, the connection between uh, Jack Wewell and Scotty McLaughlin, how they two came together. Well, they actually met um, on 360s and... Um, so on Tuesday night is players' night, and, and it was just the, it was the week before the Grand Prix, and, and Scott was was on, and they they started a bond. They then happened to go to a, an Antec Day game in the Fox Footy box, where they um, nothing like bonding over about half a dozen beers, watching a game of footy, uh, which they did, and, and then it culminated that September when um, Scotty was back in town. He came back on 360, and he actually took Jack for a, a um, hot lap around a Sandown, which was amazing that even to get clearance from Richmond because. That was the year Jack was actually in. Uh, they were heading into a prelim final the week after the Sandown 500, and quite often the Monday they 
they do the ride day and we were able to convince Damien Hardwick and he gave the all clear. Not, not many coaches would actually tick off on that for one of their star forwards to, to go in a race car. It's close to 300 kilometres now, four days before the, the biggest game of their year. But he did tick off on it and yeah, they've just become, um, you know, super buddies and so it's nice to be sort of aligned with, with that. And, and they're, you know, most of it's like a typical pure old boy humour that they're, they're smashing each other on WhatsApp throughout you know, most mornings when Scotty wakes up, he finds a stupid picture of Jack on social media or something that he's um, that he's been doing with the Tigers. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just a bit of fun. But they're, but they're great mate, great mates, and I'm I'm really looking forward to whenever Jack does retire. Hopefully, we can get him over to the Indianapolis Speedway for for an Indy 500. That would blow his mind, I think. I've been lucky enough to take him up to the Gold Coast, the street race, to, to Bathurst, and he's absolutely lovely. He's a real he's a real race fan, and um, you know that would be taken to the States to watch Scott race. In terms of books, you've done the Scotty McLaughlin one? The McLaughlin book was something um, which we um, we were speaking about for a while and thought, what if what if we started to keep some some notes and start talking about it? And, you know, what if the end goal after the uh, the horror of 17, if, if you're 18, you can go out and win this damn title, um, it would be some sort of story. So, yeah, it, it went right through the year that we, we made notes and, and we'd never had any um, you know, the goal was obviously to write a book if he won the championship, but it, it got right down to the final day of that season where there's still no guarantee he was actually going to win the title. And if he didn't, then the book was never ever going to print. So we never wanted it to to be well known that it was that it was even being thought about, let alone you know um, for putting putting words down on paper. So once he actually went and won the title, it was like holy hell, this book is actually going to happen. And and the timelines were were uh, as you guys know, we're pretty rapid to, to get the thing out before the start of the next season, which we managed to do, but it made for a, a bloody busy few months. So, um, yeah, there, there's never any grand goals to write books. It sort of just happened very quickly. So, no, no, no plans at the moment. If you've got any good ideas, I often think the, the demise of the Big Bash would be, there's a great book in that, but, um, yeah, no plans at the moment. I, I know Jack Rewalt's writing a book, so... Um, uh, he's actually writing it with the, my publisher of the Scott McLaughlin book, Adam McNichol. So uh, I think that's in the um, in the wings for whenever he retires. So I'm not sure whether it's going to be the end of this year or the end of next year, but um, no, no plans for any anything more at the moment, uh, Tony. Let's look at our 2022 supercar season because yet again, it's uh, no new cars, um, but enough new stuff around that it does make an intriguing time. First off, of course, the biggest one is the uh, replacement of Jamie Wincup with Brock Feeney, Triple Eight, uh, new engineers, new management. It's a big change for the uh, leading team for the last few years. Any insight into that? Uh, well, where do you guys see the year? I hope it's not a treading water year that all of the talk is about the, the Gen 3 car next year, not just getting through this year. Like, I hope they still, and it certainly feels like that with round one with Newcastle being basically abandoned. So I, I, I hope the new owners that they're not just um, trying to get through 22 to, with all eyes on 23. Uh, are you guys confident that they'll still throw plenty of time and energy and money to, to make this year as big and um, as powerful as it can be? I, I think what we're going to see is they are really packing in this Gen 3 testing into this pre-season. One, because off-season stories are, are normally hard to come by. Two, they have got a fairly good focus on what they want to be, but they have to get there. 
I think they're concentrating extremely hard. They've done the tyre test. They're getting cool suits tested. They're getting the Gen 3 car and all the feedback on downforce and, and parity. They're getting all this in their ducks in a row before the season so they can concentrate on really pushing the season hard and building those, you know, sideways looks into a rivalry. So I actually think they've got a strategy and they are going to be able to make this season a genuine contest this year. And I think that's part of the strategy is get this Gen 3 stuff to get people talking about it, have them come out in the reliable cars that they know what you're going to get race-wise for the season. Yes, there's going to be bumps and, 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 uh, and bruises because we aren't out of the COVID crisis yet. I don't think it's treading water. I, I, I certainly think we're going to see new things come out through the year. We're going to see changes, which will be interesting. And, Tony, yeah, I think it's fair for you to have your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Craig. Um, the other thing is I think that in a number of people who are involved, some new, some have been there a while uh, with the board and the commission and, and other factors involved, and particularly the fact that I think while the teams have um, got less impact in terms of rules and regulations. I think they've got a bigger chance to have their say now. And I'm pretty sure the competitiveness of the series and the way in which the teams have uh, been preparing for this season is going to have a big impact. And that uh, uh, the Scaifes and Nettlefolds, uh, they are all going to want to, you know, have a cracker season because, you know, Gen 3, while it's not a make or break for them, it's certainly going to be important that in, in 23, in 12 months' time, that those cars hit the track running and they everyone will be competitive with a new car. So I think that this season is very important in some ways, possibly as important as 23 will be with a new car, it is so that the teams bed themselves down and get themselves ready. I mean, you've only got to look at the fact the way in which you know, there's a, a whole new entity in there in, in Premier Air, in Peter Zabiris. Now, you know, somebody who, who self-funds his own AA uh, fuel dragster uh, team and, you know, he's, he's sitting high in the points already. It's, it's fantastic that I saw that uh, I watched it quite closely the other day, the uh, the new series, the new uh, championship for them. It was on at uh, Eastern Creek at um, their track there. I think that, you know, these new teams and these new things, they're going to be, while they're not going to be, you know, taking race wins or poles, they're going to be more competitive than Team Sydney has been, purely and simply because this man is a, is a high-end competitor. So you've got that, you've got a whole bunch of people like Charlie Schwerkholz, um, you know, Rod Nash. These guys, they want to be making their impact far more than they have been, and I think that they see this year as a year where they have to do that. And you would know Shane Howard, Tim. He's a racer. He understands the business. He understands the pressure points on teams. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot more positivity coming out of all the manoeuvring. And as Tony said, the teams aren't going to have as much control, but they're going to have probably more influence. Yeah, and I think they need that. Um, to never will the strain on teams... And you saw it last year. After Bathurst, I was lucky enough to be up at Mount Panorama, guys, and just the, the guys were cooked. 
Um, so I, I hope all the teams were given a decent break because they're going to need it because I, I can't see where they get a break from now until the start of next year when, you know, remember that I, I hope that what I was trying to say before goes, I just hope the 2022 championship doesn't get lost or it doesn't almost get in the way of the prep of the Gen 3 cars for 2023 because you have to run a full championship this year while building brand new cars for, for round one. So I, I just, I can't imagine the, the timeline of that and how difficult that is. And I'd imagine that's why they're working their backsides off to try and get these cars for next year sorted now so then they can start the build process and then start farming these cars off to, to the race shops for them to get their heads around all while they're running through a, the full 22 championship. So, yeah, busy times ahead. And I guess that's where your point, Craig, is they need Shane Howard to be, to be monitoring just the not the welfare of, of supercar teams, but probably the, the crews to make sure that they're actually getting by and uh, not blowing up because, yeah, I imagine the workload will be insane for the next 12 to 13 months. You mentioned about the hoping it's not a treading water season and Gen 3. What are your thoughts on less downforce, a harder-to-drive car, and we might as well get it from you on the uh, stick versus paddle? Uh, I'm... I'm stick for what it's worth. I think uh, I hate the paddle or the idea and the, the concept of it. I, I love taking aero off all our race cars. I'm sick of drivers um, whinging uh, about sitting behind cars and being unable to pass. I, I just hate that. As much as I'm talking about tyres, like you just hate that um, conversation. So yeah, I, I, anything they can do to make the racing better, and by God, I hope they are going to make the racing better for the cost that it's going to cost the teams to, to build these new cars. You know, they have to be better. And it's, I, I hope the people who are who have created these cars, who are building these cars and making them, are, are making better race cars so that the product is, is infinitely better on, on the track. Now, I, I would raise one with you guys. And, and um, before the, the show, I was thinking about what I'd, I'd talk to you about. But I just, I, I love in America where, not this weekend, next weekend is, is the Super Bowl, Feb 14. Um, and then one week later, the Daytona 500 starts. Uh, I just think it's so clever by NASCAR to run through summer, but to get away from the NFL. And as soon as the NFL finishes, because it is the biggest beast in American sport, we go racing. Uh, I, I hate the concept that we continue to race in winter up against the two football codes in this country, which are the behemoths. But do you ever consider, or would you ever think we'd get to a point where supercars becomes a summer sport? where there is an opening that, you know, the tennis dominates for two weeks. The big bash, as we've already discussed, has enormous issues right now. And as long as you work around the test cricket, which is, you know, a, a ratings winner, I think there's such an opening once the footy codes finish to be running through a through from October, late September right through until, you know, the next few months, I think would be just... Would you ever think they'd consider that or, or that could happen? Now, here's the way it happens, Tim. Australia has got a very strong summer motorsports scene. Drag racing, speedway, they get good fans. At a very dysfunctional series of motor races. But what we'll see is we will see the Australian Supercar Championship and we will see the International Supercar Championship. And the International Supercar Championship will take the centre winter period and it'll go, we'll probably see Darwin, Townsville and those sort of races go into that and then we'll be up in Southeast Asia and other locations around the globe. 
running in the international championship teams. We'll be able to field pay drivers that will be paying good coin to be part of it. And then we'll have the Australian championship, which will be the core business. You can't do all that in eight months. And so then we'll see it spill over. But you can't go to the north during summer because it's the wet season. And you can't go too far north. You can't go to the middle, if you like, of uh, the middle belt of Australia because it's too damn hot. So we'll see the national championship going across the southern with Perth and the other areas and and Queensland all being part of the uh, uh, shoulders. And then you'll see the international championship take off during our winter months. Craig, that is an idea there. I like it. Yeah, certainly it has a lot of merit. I mean, I think that uh, one of the sad things that Australia has never really understood is the Toyota Series in New Zealand. Um, Having uh, covered it once, uh, I'm very keen to go back again because the impact that that series has worldwide is enormous. And that while Australia may not be looking to uh, getting drivers to come and race in Australia in our cars, um, certainly the series has got great potential to race in uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore's around the Southeast Asian area. And, yeah, I, I think that there is an awful lot of merit for what Craig uh, put forward there. Tim, um, what uh, are you looking forward to most in this season? Well, honestly, Tony, I'm looking forward to some normality. I, I'm looking forward to some street races returning, and I hope it happens. Um, I know the build at the Albert Park Grand Prix circuit starts this week, so the countdown to um, F1 returning, but also a showpiece event for, for the supercars. Um, it is going to happen, and I know there's a lot of sceptics, and I know Newcastle got shelved, but it's going ahead, and especially off the back of a successful Australian Open, which I think was the Grand Prix bosses would have looked and thanked the good Lord for that happening. Uh, but but I, I want street racing to return and then go back to the Gold Coast for, for, for that event, which I think is one of the best of all time. I, I hope there's a change of government, in, and I've never talked politics ever, but I hope there's a change of government in South Australia, guys, and we see the Adelaide 500 back in, in 2023. Um, so that's probably the normality I'm looking for, you know, big crowds returning to, to Mount Panorama. I don't know, it was pretty good last year, but it wasn't the normal Bathurst without... You know, the place wasn't bursting at the seams. The, the car, even the, the caravan parks were uh, was about 50, 50 to 60% capacity. So it was not lonely, but it was just, um, it wasn't a normal bathroom. So that's what I'm looking forward to, just the getting the crowds back. And I hope the racing's great. And I hope they go out on a on a real high with, with these race cars. Indeed. And uh, yes, I think one of the other things about Albert Park is the fact that a new track, new surface, and there's an enormous amount there of uh, anticipation of how our cars will go there as well as F1. Um, I agree with you about street circuits. Um, I, you know, I know that there, there's a group of people out there who rubbish Newcastle as a track. I find it an amazing track, having walked it several times. The way in which we have seen so few incidents there is a mark of the skill of drivers in every category, category that have competed there. because to not have those mammoth crashes which we've seen at other tracks, to see them coming down that run down on the seafront there, and you know, it's just extraordinary. The fact that the only real big incident I remember is, of course, the McLaughlin Lounge one. Um, and so for that reason, that to have the drivers going back to tracks that are so skillful, 
uh, or demand such skills to get around uh, will be wonderful. Um, and for that reason also, it's great to see Townsville's um, on the schedule because it's unique in itself and adds that special thing to the way in which uh, supercars competes around Australia. But it, it's certainly going to be an interesting year and to see the growth of some teams, probably there'll be a few that uh, are treading water um, for 23 that aren't really throwing their weight behind a big season. But, you know, you've got to say that uh, Walkinshaw's um, looking very good for having a real resurgence of their brand. Um, I, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to happen. Tim, I, I hope uh, we cross swords uh, somewhere along the line and meet up at a track. If maybe our park would be the time. Thank you for your time today on Inside Supercars. We look forward to hearing more of Tim Hodges on air. So thank you again. No worries, Craig and Tony. Thanks so much for, for having me, gents, and, and all the best. I hope, hope it's a great racing year for all of us. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.